Welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming, news, and discussion. My name's Kevin. My name is Daniel. And this is episode 83. Is there really 83 of these? I feel like we've done like 400. I mean, I feel like we've done 400, at least in my head, but in actuality, I think this would be 103 total episodes. I don't know when it begins and when it ends at this point. Yeah. I'm just going to go through a tunnel of podcasts. I'm living in a podcast feed these days. Like, I can't stop. I can't tell where my body ends and the RSS feeds begin. We will only be freed when the McElroys come for us and we (laughs) ascend into their arms. (laughs) They fucking sever our, like, mortal umbilicals to the world and, like, we, like, ascend into their arms and, and transcend podcasting glory. (laughs) <laughs> where there's nothing but like golden blue yetis up there <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> and not only are you surrounded by sure mics you're sure about your life <laughs> surrounded by best boys and mcelroys oh that's pretty good too yeah. goodness gracious so, what what happens if they don't like us did they send us to hell which is alternately called the monster factory no we just go back to just doing this podcast <laughs> okay <laughs> our own personal <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. they make us they make us go scroll twitter for like all of eternity no no anyway if you didn't know this is the only podcast that has claimed your firstborn through the law of surprise surprise sorry yeah you can find us on soundcloud.com slash the save room show or spotify or itunes or google Google Play, and even Stitcher. I'm apparently still doing that. Still don't know what that is. I think it's just the RSS just taking care of it. It's like, boys, don't worry about this. Yeah, the RSS feed just does the rest. It's like, where can I pocket myself today? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like squirming around the internet, yeah. right? We don't know how RSS feeds work, basically. Yeah. They're like magic to me, right? I upload it in one place, and then it's just infecting the rest of the internet. It's like a nanovirus. <laughs> Nani? <laughs> Nani? <laughs> Daniel, before we get into this gaming uh, news thing, mm-hmm. I've got really big, important news that we need to get through. Let's do it. Han is alive. Whoa. Justice for Han. That's like been trending the last like two days. It's the most amazing thing. And it's kind of wild. Okay. I don't know how to describe this mm-hmm. because I got genuine, genuinely excited when I saw this. When I saw the poster mm-hmm. of him fl- like fucking putting some kettle corn into mm-hmm. his mouth or whatever and just like sitting on the hood of a car that cost more than what I make in a year. It was amazing. He was so excited he double texted me. I double texted First you First in normal Han. caps and then in all caps. I think you weren't responding fast enough. Well, I was, I was busy. I was living my Friday life. Uh, no, this is super exciting news. If you guys don't know, uh, Han of Fast and Furious fame, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. he he stole our hearts in Tokyo Drift, mm-hmm. the, the best F- Fast and Furious movie. He diff, diff, diff into our hearts. And then they killed him off kind of unceremoniously. Which was fucked up. And then they brought him back in like these kind of prequel movies to Tokyo Drift. Yeah, there's a little confusing. Yeah, the kinda, timeline is weird. Back and forth there. The timeline's really strange. But then they really killed strange. him again? Uh, well, not again. Like, they 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 put more context to his death. Yeah, yeah. We thought it was just an accident, Tokyo Drift. No. We get through like four other fucking movies, and in Fast Seven, it's revealed like, oh, by the way, Jason Statham threw a fucking grenade at his mouth uh, <laughs> when he flipped his car. Eat this, you oral fixator. Which. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, and I don't understand. It's like, wow, um, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to die. <laughs> like, he flipped his fucking, like, whatever, yeah. his skyline in the middle of Tokyo. And it was just, like, insult to injury, basically. So, the fans have been demanding justice for years. We've not seen justice. Now he's just back in the Fast 9 trailer, uh, which looks fucking amazing it looks honestly. really really cool it looks really good right as somebody whose attention for the fast and furious movie is kind of diff diffed into the the deep end uh <sighs> fast seven was kind of whatever for me i haven't seen eight haven't seen um hobbs and shaw 
But this actually like to. kind of reignited my my hype because like the crew's back, Han's back for some reason. I don't know if he's like a bionic racer. I hope. What he's just a hologram. He's a racing hologram. Yeah. No, I I don't know how they're gonna explain it. But then again, I, I'm pretty sure they've resurrected like four characters as is. Yeah, Michelle Rodriguez made a comeback. Yeah, Michelle Roddy coming yeah. back, coming back. So she's she's in the trailer, looking pretty good, by the way, looking yeah. pretty good. And we got Vin Diesel who's like, I used to live my life a quarter mile at a time, but, but I'm I, a daddy now. now I'm a father. I'm a father. <laughs> and he's got a brother now. Um, yes, the the incredibly white John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> that makes no fucking sense. Unless they're like half brothers or there's a foster care situation. We've, like, we've honestly gone, what, like 25 years <laughs> with this franchise? Yeah. And he has not mentioned the fact that he has a, an incredibly strong brother. <laughs> I don't get it. Made strong by, like, vindiction. Right. He's like the he's like a human Terminator. They've already done that in the Fast series, right? Like, oh, yeah. this character is basically the Terminator. Jason Statham is the Terminator. Fucking, um... Jason Statham, his brother? His brother, whoever the fuck that actor's name was. Uh, Idris Elba mm-hmm. was the Terminator in the Hobbs and Shaw, basically. Anyway, anyway, I okay. digress. Yeah. Han's back. I'm very excited. That movie came up May 22nd. It was just a very important thing that I needed to go off my shelves. May 22nd? That is so soon. I know. They turn those things around like fucking nothing. Yo, for all the quality that they stuff into it, too, my God. <laughs> Not a bad one in the lot. Am I right, Daniel? Well, Not a bad one in the lot. We'll see how that one goes. I do hope they, they know when enough is enough and they just stop making them. But I could see them eventually doing a thing where it's like 20 years down the line, like at the future of the franchise, and they're just dealing with like the kids of, of all these people. Uh, children of the Fast Saga. Yeah, like, like baby Paul Walker is out there doing races now. Oh, little Polly. Yeah, little Polly. Or no, no, no. Uh, it's little Brian. He, he's got a, a Vin Diesel. His child's mm. name is Little Brian. Wow, that's yeah, so yeah. sweet. That's a truth. That's who knew he was such a softy, Daniel. That Vin Diesel. That's incredible writing. It's incredible writing. I couldn't do it. It's an emotional connection. I gave up writing because I knew I'd never be that good. I, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, but we gotta get to video games, my dude. We do. There's a lot of, lot of news going on this week. We skipped our news beat last week, because uh, mm-hmm. we had a very special friend come to town, our good guy Dave from David. Florida. We did a Save Room Plays with him, which you guys can catch uh, this week. It's already out, so... Keep, keep your eyes out for that. Look out. Look out for it. It's around the corner. It's Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> um, no, you, but that you introduced was, Dave to that for like the first time, right? I did. He had no idea what I was talking about. And that's, it was a journey. That's amazing to me. Um, so that was a really cool thing to do with them. But in lieu of that, we just hung out a lot, had fun around the city, but we didn't do a news episode. So we felt our obligation to the gamers was as such. We had to double back and do twice as much work this week. So <laughs> We sure did. We sure fucking did. We sure did. So we got some news that we got to get through. I want to warm you up a little bit. Please do. Uh, if you're feeling a little chilly, let me see your toes. Ooh, they're cold. No, look at my nipples. That's the, the more accurate measure, right? So cold they could cut glass. These things are pointing to the McElroy gods. Whoa, Jesus <laughs> Christ. They're in podcasting well, heaven. We set up that lore earlier in the episode. No, we did. <laughs> okay. Well, can I get you erect with uh, some free games? Um, probably. Okay, cool. Well, to warm up here, we got some free PS Plus Oh, premature. Came- <laughs> we got some free... Fuck, I can't do it. I can't do it. You broke me again. We got some free PS Plus games for February. Coming to you is Bioshock The Collection, available February 4th to March 3rd. Wow. The Sims 4, also... February 4th to March 3rd. Oh. And uh, PSVR selection here, Firewall Zero Hour. Oh, goodness. Finally. I'm glad to see them actually like dipping in with a third selection. Because uh-huh. whenever they shifted, 
um, after I guess the sunsetting Vita, the Vita, Vita games, yeah. yeah, and PS3 games as well, they're like just offering kind of like a meager selection of PS4 stuff. So it's cool to see them actually now again putting a v- PSVR title and actually bringing some value to PlayStation Plus for the free games. That is. What was January again? I totally forgot. January. I remember was... adding them to my library and forgetting what the fuck they were. Games. <laughs> January was two games. Oh, 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 Uncharted Collection. Sorry. Oh, was that really January? Yeah, that was January. Okay, okay and probably like a racing game or a sports game. Goat Simulator. There we go. There we that's go. What it was. My favorite racing game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty cool. Bioshock, the collection, mm. not a bad grab. No, it, not at all. I think it was a pretty good set, the remaster anyway, for mm-hmm. uh, giving it a facelift on those old PS3 slash 360 games. Yeah, that one came out several years ago at this point, but it's got Bioshock 1... Uh, I don't remember if there was DLC for that one, but Bioshock 2, it has Minerva's Den, all yeah. the DLC for that, and then Bioshock Infinite, um, which has a actually a dearth of DLC as well. It has the Lost at Sea stuff that actually ties it back into the original Bioshock games. So. You liked the hell out of that one, right? I thought it was really cool. Yeah. I didn't finish it for mm-hmm. one reason or another. I think the sneaking around as Elizabeth thing, like that got a little tired sure. for me, but yeah. It was cool, mm-hmm. though, going back to Rapture for sure. But. Oh, definitely. Especially like recontextualized in that, that way with like Elizabeth in it. So if you haven't picked that up yet, that's a fucking buy. Do that. Now, I'm going to get into Sims 4 myself because I used to be a huge Sims fan back in the day when I was a PC nerd. Is this a true story? Yeah, yeah. I I had a really, I had a big connection with Sims 1 and then Sims 2 and the Sims 2, uh, what was it called? Larger Than Life expansion. I thought there was um, Sims 2, The Streets. <laughs> Wasn't there? There was a bunch of expansions. Sims 3, Back to the Streets. <laughs> yeah, no, I think Sims 3 was like the first console one, if I'm correct. Sims 2, yes, because I did play it on the PS2. Oh, and you're right. Let me, let me give you a short review here. Sure. Um, I remember disliking it greatly. The console ones are definitely different than the PC setup. They try to structure it more around like missions and objectives in a different way as yeah. opposed to just being like a life simulator Let's like the do your PC thing ones are. and, and so. get these people a job and oops there's a fire happening in the bathroom because yeah. there's like 10 hair dryers in there for mm-hmm. some reason what's wrong with bobby <laughs> what is wrong with bobby what's wrong with bobby I've, i created him i gave him a, a fucking orange afro and i thought that he would get ahead in life <laughs> instead he's trying to burn down his goddamn house my favorite is like creating situations that are very like picture perfect and then just turning them into awful situations because i just get bored like like i don't know i find a perfect couple they have a baby you know that baby grows up does its thing goes away maybe one partner gets resentful then it turns into a misery situation where suddenly there's no doors on a room and there's a fire and they're burning alive <laughs> how's that misery <laughs> okay it's miserable wouldn't, for somebody somebody have to get like uh or do you mean the movie misery yeah, yeah okay then somebody needs to get hobbled at some point okay is there dlc for hobbling in there the might sims be 4? yeah there, there sims might be. 4 hobble your friends <laughs> you can create these idyllic situations but then like if you wanted to just be a god you can like really like make these sims suffer like oh put a sim in a pool take out the ladder make them swim till they die can we talk more about this on the save room plays about what you used to do to sims because it sounds like i can make a third season of netflix's you Mm. just about like (laughs) your encounters with i watch the couple i watch the couple i wait for the couple i tore the couple apart death arrives like wait what and then death literally arrived the clown neighbor decided to jump in the pool and you're like what this is a really okay i well i'm excited i will add it to my library and probably never download it but i would be excited if you actually like streamed it or something (laughs) yeah that would be neat that would be we'll see and then firewall i don't know whatever i mean it's cool for the psvr fans out there i think i think that's 
important for Sony to keep supporting it in one way or another, whether free or not. So. It is important for them to support a thing that they made people pay for. Yes, I <laughs> totally agree every day of the every day of the week about that one. But we do have a lot of news to get through, dude. Do we? Yeah, we kind of do. Some okay. of it's just girthy news, yeah. you know? And like, well, it, it might crack your lips, basically, is wow. what I'm trying to say. But That girth is worth it. <laughs> worth the girth. Let us get into it, my friend. Here comes the Save Room News. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Like that was good. That was smooth. We've got eight items on here, my friend. Number one. Netflix announces The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf. The streaming service that your ex doesn't know you still have the password to is making an anime film set in the world of The Witcher. The film is set before the events of the Netflix show and will be an origin story for Geralt's mentor, Vesemir. Here's the film's synopsis. Quote, Long before mentoring Geralt, Vesemir begins his own journey as a witcher after the mysterious Deglin claims him through the law of surprise. End quote. Oh, that's why you did that bit. I knew you didn't know the reference. It's okay. You okay. haven't watched the show. Makes sense. That's fine. You should watch the show. I'm going to say that again. Mm. You should watch the show. I'm working but on it. I know. I know. The show's producers, Lauren Hisrich and Bo DeMeo. That's a hell of a name. <laughs> <laughs> I, how did I not notice that when I wrote it down? Bo DeMeo. That's a name I could trust. <laughs> oh, well, Helm the... Pro- I'm so sorry for laughing at your name, Bo DeMeo, but yeah. that's a powerful name. Uh, Bo DeMeo will help... <laughs> I keep on saying it. I love it. Will helm the project with animation being handled by Studio Mir, the production house behind The Legend of Korra and Voltron Legendary Defender. That's the hotness right there, yeah, by the way. Both great shows. Yeah. There's no word if Nightmare of the Wolf releases before or after The Witcher Season 2's 2021 debut. Hmm. Um, Very cool. I think this is pretty cool. Yeah. To, to see, like, uh, they obviously see it as a success, and they're like, well... Maybe there it came to a decision where we don't want to like do a whole origin story or take up like parts of season two with Vesemir's origin story, mm-hmm. but it would be a cool thing to like launch that anime in between season one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to give you too hard of a spoiler, but like Vesemir doesn't show up in season one. You don't know who he is okay. basically. Like you hear that maybe he's his mentor or something like that, but you don't get to see him. Mm. Whereas in The Witcher Three, for instance, he's actually a big part of the story. Like okay. he's he's there from the get go essentially. But it would be cool to launch that and then introduce the character in season two, mm-hmm. basically. That, that'd that. actually be really smart. Yeah. Do you think they had this planned the entire time? Or was it something that was definitely launched off the su- success of the first season of The Witcher? I honestly don't know how long it takes to like greenlit the, like, or greenlight these kinds uh, of things. Probably a while. You have to kind of wait and see when the season one launches before mm-hmm. you start committing to, like, we're going to make an anime. We're going to make a movie. We're going to make, mm-hmm. you know? It, so I wonder if it was just like, hey, this announcement we're hearing, literally it's been like maybe a couple weeks of discussion. So we won't see this for like a little while mm-hmm. maybe. I, I, I don't know. But I would hope it comes in between. Do you think they do it in the same fashion that they have presented The Witcher in kind of like a, here's the present, here are flashbacks to kind of maybe like do the duality of Vesemir and Geralt, where it's like they could probably show like, you know, the two of them together, but then maybe the bulk of it is like flashbacks, which would be the present basically, where it's just Vesemir doing his own thing, being a witcher. Uh, given where the show's at right now, where Vesemir is not in season one whatsoever, mm-hmm. uh, like, we have not we have not been introduced to the character, I doubt they would do, like, the back and forth thing. Like, I don't think they would introduce him in the current witcher timeline, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck that is, basically, and then do an origin story in the movie. I mean, it's just a movie. They only got, like, what, uh, 90 minutes to, mm-hmm. to make their point? I think it's probably just going to focus on one uh, time, time area, okay. essentially. I really... On that note, good point. I really hope season two doesn't do that bullshitty, like, back and forth 
uh, with the timelines. Yeah, it's not very well defined. No, like, I almost want, like, a subtitle to tell me the year or something on the bottom of the screen. Or just give me some sort of filter. Give me, like, a gradient mm-hmm. Snapchat filter that lets me know we're in the past. At <laughs> something, least. Something, dude. Like, some anything. sort of cue to let mm-hmm. me know, because it's so confusing, where it's like, like, you're looking at a character, literally, like, their corpse, and the next scene, they're eating a fucking apple, going like, hey, what's, what's going on, Geralt? And you're like, what? Uh, mm. did you get over death? Oh, no. <laughs> the show is just kind of spliced in a weird way. Mm. I hope it doesn't do that, but this is cool. It makes me wonder, are other publishers going to make their own video game things? Mm-hmm. And maybe there's opportunity where it's like, instead of a series, it'd be cool for like these one-off movies, mm-hmm. especially if it's like, you know, an animation house like the Legend of Korra folks mm-hmm. walk on over and say like, oh, let's do, um, name a game. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I think we're definitely going to see more and more of this. Um, I forget what it was with, it was AD Shankar, right? With the Zelda project that was kind of rumored for a little while. Apparently it wasn't Zelda. I think that was Devil May Cry. Oh, it was Devil May Cry. Like, so he for sure confirmed Devil May Cry, but I, mm-hmm. I think the Zelda thing fell apart. Okay. But I mean, I definitely think we're going to see a higher influx, especially on Netflix, of adaptations taking form in one fashion or another, whether it is the Witcher live action approach or what Castlevania had been doing, mm-hmm. um, with, um, the animated series. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Castlevania Season 3 is still a thing, huh? Yeah. They still have a lot of great story to tell there. I want to, I kind of want a movie about, like, one of the side characters Mm -hmm. or something that isn't a part of, like, the main season arcs. I think this is a cool idea for me to, like, look up The Witcher and be like, oh, there's Season 1, Season 2. Oh, there's a supplemental film? Mm -hmm. That's cool. But I think you definitely have a, a realm of experimentation with movies like that or short treatments where it's like we can tell a really cool single story about a character that we couldn't have otherwise fleshed out because we have a main story we're trying to tell across like seasons mm-hmm. so it, that's that's fucking neat obviously supporting the witcher is is a good play especially for how much buzz there is about it right now keep milking it but don't overdo it obviously yeah you know i think you need to keep feeling like this sort of form of, of media for the witcher and definitely ride the hype until the next uh iteration of the franchise whatever witcher 4 does happen but don't overdo it, because you don't want to burn your fans out. You think Witcher 4? Mm-hmm. I'm going to put a date on there. 2026. Mm, I think that's too early. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two on here, my friend. And this is a weird one. Mm-hmm. Atari gets into the hotel business. Okay. Why? Uh, well, let's find out. Well, actually, we know. I don't I even have to read the story to you. Money. Okay. <laughs> the historic game company that survived, if only in name, since 1972, has announced that it will build the first ever video game-themed hotel later this year. In a statement released by the company, Atari hotels are described as, quote, a unique lodging experience combining the iconic brand with a one-of-a-kind video game-themed destination, end quote. Gamer accommodations include immersive experiences such as VR and AR, in case you you need to shake it up a bit, and even venues to host esports events. Atari is partnering with GSD Group, quote, a leading innovation and strategy company, end quote, (laughs) to build the hotels because they noticed gamers spent a fuck ton of money. Their statement points out that, one, gamers have spent $152.1 billion on games in 2019 alone, and two, gamers are prone to gravitate toward recognizable intellectual property. This is like a robot figuring out, like, they like brand name. 
If you put brand name on thing, they will go to thing. <laughs> like it's it, oh, yes, yes. It, it just seems like such a weird way to spell mm-hmm. it out. Like literally, the statement said that. If you brand it, they will come. <laughs> Basically, like what the fuck? So GSD Group's Napoleon Smith the Third. Wow. Said, quote, when creating this brand new hotel concept, we knew that Atari would be the perfect way to give guests the nostalgic and retro meets modern look and feel we were going for. Let's face it. How cool will it be to stay inside an Atari? <laughs> End quote. It would have been cool in the 80s. You ever look at your PlayStation and think, I just want to be in there. I just want to live inside that architecture that Mark Cerny is, is brilliantly built. I just want to get down to my tidy whities oil myself up, and slide in through a USB port. That reminds me of the character from Watchmen. <laughs> Which the, one? The, the one, I don't know his name, but like... Oh, the lube guy? The lube guy where he fucking lubes himself <laughs> up and slides into the fucking sewer drain. <laughs> You'll see me get into that SSD when the PlayStation 5 comes out. I want to live in here. <laughs> The Atari Hotel will open in Phoenix, Arizona this spring with plans to build more in Austin, Texas, Chicago, Illinois, Denver, Colorado, Las Vegas, Nevada, San Francisco, California, San Jose, California, and Daniel, Daniel, (gasps) Daniel, Uh, Seattle, Washington. That's kind of cool. Can we go? Do you want to go? You want to stay in a hotel together, Daniel? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. An Atari hotel where they have stuff like Pong an esport <laughs> see that breaks my mind where it's like i know they're obviously trying to <clears throat> honor their own lineage of atari but then they're like how do we make it modern oh yeah esports is in like literally Let's have ninja stay here it feels like somebody just googled like all right what Video is it games. to be a gamer yeah uh what esport league what the fuck is any of the who's Byleth? okay <laughs> whatever just mm. put some logos up and we're good to go right i feel like atari is definitely out of touch with uh the current gaming culture i know they still release like cabinets and like kind of kitschy like gaming experiences what, and like retail it? stores the cvs is like their next thing i don't know why i don't think it's i think it's a vcs or something which mm. is basically it's like a mini console with every atari game on board it the interesting thing about it is that you can also download like steam games and stuff to play okay. on your tv and that's coming out sometime hmm. i was reading about atari and like i think forbes basically and in 2003 they went fucking bankrupt okay and this person i forget the the current the current um ceo basically bought them out for about 400 dollars. that's how bad it was for them are you serious and has stayed with this company since then and has totally like liquidated their their staff down to 20 people so now all they do is license shit out like you, when you go to spencer's there's atari shirts there's atari mm-hmm. wallets there's atari fucking everything this is them doing that they're like yeah we can't be a video game company anymore but it's a brand that people recognize yeah and when people recognize a brand their wallets open up apparently well then who do you think this speaks to primarily because like I don't think it's one of those things like Nintendo doing their Nintendo theme park, which I forget where that's supposed to be. If it's supposed to, to be its Japan own thing first, and then it's going to be at Universal Studios that's what it was. in okay. Florida in like two to three years. Okay, so that is something that is now universally recognized. Everybody's going to clamor for that and go to it. Current gen gamers, basically the ones that grew up in like the two thousands or like late nineties, they don't have a, a lineage to Atari the way that like the boomers would, you know? So I feel like that experience more speaks to people who grew up with Atari. Like I, I think the idea of an Atari hotel is cool, but like I'd rather fucking yeah, stay inside my PlayStation at the PlayStation Hotel. You know? Slip right on in there, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I don't have to go anywhere for it. I mean if I'm thinking about it, like, mm-hmm. if I travel to Vegas for whatever reason, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, wow, we got the, you know, the, the Ritz, or... Yeah. I don't know which hotels are 
out there, you know, Marriott and stuff. Mm -hmm. And if I was told, oh, there's like this video game based hotel, regardless if it was a tour or not, I'd be like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. Actually, Mm -hmm. I would want to, I would want to see that. Yeah. But it's like a novelty thing. Right. Like, I don't know how successful it's going to be unless like it's just prime location, cool entertainment, Mm -hmm. family friendly. Yeah. Basically a hotel. (laughs) I do think it's cool that they're trying to do like, I'll call them activations across the the states by putting them in a bunch of different cities. That's ambitious, right? Like, why not just be like, oh, we're going to do one and see how it goes. Mm -hmm. They're like, no, 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 no. We're going to put this everywhere. I feel like other brands might be more successful at this but at the same time the brands that would be really successful at this wouldn't do probably think it's really tacky Mm -hmm. like a playstation hotel yeah i feel like the only only company that would think to do this otherwise would probably be like konami (laughs) how do we we get all of our pachinko machines into one one location let's make a hotel And maybe we could do, like, a Silent Hill VR AR thing for actual fans, but pachinko machines otherwise. Fuck the beds. You're sleeping on a machine. <laughs> you're sleeping in a pachinko machine with pyramid heads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um, the only consequence of this kind of thing is that call girls are going to be very confused when a client calls them up and says, meet me at this hotel where you get to play with my joystick. <laughs> You'd like that one. I'm going to move on from yeah. this. Let's move on. <laughs> Fuck you, Atari. <laughs> Number three on here. Okay, this is legit exciting for me. Um, let's. We're about to get into a horror block, all right? Okay. It's going to be the survival horror block on the safe room here, all well, right? It started with the Atari Hotel. <laughs> Sounds pretty horrifying. <laughs> Can you imagine one of those bitches being haunted? <laughs> haunted by nerds? <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> like a nerd that was crushed by an Atari like fucking cabinet. All you hear is the Colossus yell from the X Men arcade. Game. Oh, and you're like, <laughs> like, God damn it! Shut, fucking, Shut up, Bill. These damn ghost nerds. <laughs> Number three on here. Silent Hill might be back from the dead. In our restless dreams, we see that town. But in reality, we haven't seen Silent Hill since 2014's infamous PT demo for PS4. But according to a reliable leaker on Twitter that goes by the Aesthetic Gamer, remember that name, they will return, Mm. Konami is kicking around at least two projects that will resuscitate the long-dormant survival horror franchise. So saith the Aesthetic Gamer, quote, there is a couple new Silent Hill games in the works. Konami, about mm, two years ago, reached out to various developers to pitch ideas for two Silent Hill games. One, a soft reboot of the franchise. The other, an episodic Telltale-slash-Until-Dawn-style game to go alongside the reboot. I don't know anything more than that, though, but I sure do hope Konami's given it the appropriate budget and found the right developer to make those games succeed. End quote. The Leakmeister also mentioned that there's a high chance Konami will announce one or both of these titles in 2020, but forewarned that's just a guess and admitted that they don't know what Konami's plans are beyond the existence of these games. The even more reliable horror gaming site Rely on Horror (laughs) reported that they too have heard from an independent source that a new Silent Hill is in development. Coincidentally or not, Silent Hill 2's art director, Masahiro Ito, revealed on January 4th that he's a core member of an unannounced horror title. When prodded by Eurogamer, a Konami spokesperson said, quote, We cannot share anything at this point, but we are listening to customer feedback and considering ways to provide the next title. In the meantime, fans are free to enjoy our pachinko machines at the Las Vegas airport <laughs> near the furthermost restrooms. End quote. I may have made up the end of that one. <laughs> yeah, I think you did. <laughs> but... 
that is Mm -hmm. pretty cool. Konami seemed like they were getting out of games entirely, and mm-hmm. and here and there they would kind of like, you know, it was like the, it's like when you cut the head off of a snake, the body's still going to wiggle sometimes. Yeah. So sometimes you would get like, oh, here's Metal Gear Survive, and you're like, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, here's a, a Castlevania collection. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, thank you. What about anything new? Have you seen our pachinko machines? Yeah. But new Silent Hill, dog? When was the last time we got a Silent Hill that wasn't the remaster collection for PS3? Um, actually, the same year, 2012, mm-hmm. was Silent Hill Book of Memories for the Vita, which was like this isometric top-down kind of adventure thing that definitely didn't speak to what the rest of the series was yeah, like. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but, and then after that was PT. Um, which was which, a cool proof of concept for where the, the franchise could have gone. Could have gone, yeah. right? Silent Hills looked scary as fuck and having kojima guillermo del toro and uh what's his face uh i'm sam <laughs> yeah so the the original uh idea for it had him in it but yeah. then when the, i think when the demo came out it, there was no sense that he was in it what norman reedus mm-hmm. oh ac- modders got into it and actually proved that your player character does look like norman reedus oh, okay cool yeah so they've always intended but um no there was a huge indication in that if you beat the demo mm-hmm. you got a little uh cut scene that showed norman reedus in 3d rendering walking through silent hill with a logo coming up saying silent hills oh that's neat yeah i've never seen that yeah okay, it cool. it took like 24 hours for somebody to figure out what the fuck to do to make that happen mm-hmm. but it was super cool and that's how we knew it was attached to it but what? then konami said kojima Get the fuck out of here. Take your plant and take your weird ideas with you. And then Silent Hills died on a vine. Why do you think that happened? Do you think it was like too ambitious of a project? Maybe it was not worth their funding or time to go forward with? I think a lot of Silent Hills rested on Kojima, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. And then they had a falling out during the production of Metal Gear Solid Five. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it was just an ugly split. Okay. And so I'm, I'm sure they're just like, you know what? Let's distance ourselves from this project. Okay. And we don't think... like. I don't think it would have been appropriate for Konami to say, we're still doing Silent Hills without Kojima. People probably would have threw a fucking fit about that. I think at that point, there was probably more loyalty to Kojima than Konami. Oh, undoubtedly. So, yeah, it would have been a big problem for them. Yeah, people have been cross. But um, other than that, yeah, I, I like the idea of a soft reboot. Don't throw away what we know about the series, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, still figure something out. We've talked about it endlessly. RE2 Remake is a perfect mold for what you can do going forward. Revisit it, revisit the mechanics, but maybe go back to something that's kind of iconic, you know, whether you're retelling the first story in some way or some form or fashion. Because I don't think you can do just like a straight sequel to the series right now. It's been too fucking long. And also most of the sequels were kind of ended up on the dud side, Mm -hmm. like Downpour and uh, Homecoming. Not to Mm -hmm. say they're bad games, they just weren't like great games. Nobody remembers those characters either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Resident Evil 2 Remake is an interesting idea for it, Mm -hmm. if you were to remake one of them, but I think a better approach would be maybe RE7, you know, because that was more of a a reboot of the franchise in a way, and kind of borrowing off the lineage and doing something new while loosely tying it into the greater Mm. universe. So maybe they could do something like that. Maybe that's what they mean by soft reboot. Yeah, yeah, maybe give us a new character, different... Uh, maybe not different gameplay conceits, but play with perspective a little differently and make mm. it feel more like a real and horror approach. Make it scary. And yeah, have like the iconic characters if if you want. Like maybe have build it to an encounter with uh, Pyramid Head. That would be cool. Or if you want to do like what they did with Jack Baker even, maybe have him be a constant threat where he's just kind of pursuing you through a location where you can't necessarily stop him permanently, but you can just kind of immobilize him, mm. get on to the next section and keep going. So I, I think there's a lot of potential for them to do something true to the series that also feels fresh, but... 
You should call him up, dude. Call him up. You just tell him like, hey, this is this is what you should do. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly like I've only played Silent Hill two, so like my my allegiance to the franchise is a little loose in comparison because it took me years to even play that one. Mm-hmm. Like I think I first played Silent Hill two on, on PS3, that right? on that yeah, remaster collection mm-hmm. in twenty sixteen. So it, it was some time. Wow. Yeah, that went way late in the game <clears throat> because it, it was super dated, and for some reason, it, it was always hard for me to go back to games like that, um, especially being so inda- inundated with modern games where it's like, eh, I don't know, the tank controls feel weird, and it's kind of gummy and kind of janky, and it's silly. But I understood and respected its place in horror gaming, and I wanted to see what it was about. So I'm actually I am a person that has an affinity for tank controls yeah. but i will say the t- the tank controls that are present in silent hill 2 and 3 are garbo garbage they're bad it's really bad uh-huh. really disorienting especially since you can like move the camera in conjunction with it mm. rather than having just like the fixed perspectives where you can't do anything to it like in resident evil mm-hmm. so it ends up being like this weird experience where especially in tighter corridors like you need to fix that like uh-huh. I, so i agree with the fact that maybe it'd be way more interesting if they brought it to like hey let's do first person right mm-hmm. it could be scarier probably yeah. you know turn around and like oh fuck there's something behind you i mean to their credit those games are still scary like i remember playing silent hill 2 at a point and having to stop for a year because <laughs> i couldn't get through the first apartment section because like hearing the fucking leg monsters and hearing the static and noises and visceral over like the the transistor radio that was terrifying you're not being like, able to see anything i was like fuck this game no yeah. no 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 get no, the no, no, salt no. get it away from me but now i'm like okay that's pretty cool these lady legs don't have a lady head or arms i hate this <laughs> now alternately i do like yep. the idea for the second title being a kind of more telltale until yeah. dawn approach i think that's really cool and i've seen We've seen a lot of really great um, treatments of horror games in that medium, and I would love to see more of it, because Until until Dawn was great for what it was, even though it wasn't my favorite, I still give it credit for what it did, and The Walking Dead is, like, fucking infamously great for what it did for the the franchise, Mm -hmm. so... Yeah, I, I would. I think that's actually horror and adventure game go together pretty well, and yeah. I think those games definitely have set that up. So I, I'd be fine with one or both. But I think with that, you do need to introduce some staple characters, you know? Yeah, do you think so at this yeah. point? Because like some of these characters, like I don't, kn- I don't think it's as easy for them to come back as like in a Resident Evil game where it's just like give Chris a shotgun and he's back on the on the mm-hmm. scene. Like uh, some of them have had like definitive endings, like mm-hmm. James Sunderland, for instance. There's no way to bring that guy back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, depending on your ending, there's no way. I don't think they could do that. But maybe. I guess it depends on what where you set it too. You know, yeah. you could set it in a. a- point of the timeline where he's still alive maybe maria's still there maybe other characters that are still mm-hmm. famous in the series are, are around again like i said silent hill is a little different in that yeah, it's sure. always historically jumped across characters and has never really revisited a character okay um just because they're such isolated horror almost like an anthology honestly mm-hmm. what if the the telltale or the telltale version follows an anthology like going through like seasons and stuff like what if that gets bigger than the other game that they're trying to make that'd be cool that would be interesting so like yeah. each episode could be its own like mini yeah. story its own thing that yeah. ties into a greater whole i don't know konami get us in there man get us in there you got a great idea there yo man you tell them to me to pitch ideas you should pitch those ideas you know what's a great idea this next one number four on here <laughs> this one actually got me more excited than the game mm-hmm. to be honest with you yeah christoph gans is making a new silent hill film and a fatal frame movie he's, he's doing both my boy's not like he doesn't need sleep anymore apparently no so i have to give another shout out to rely on horror for catching any and all news that relates to horror gaming mm-hmm. you can go ahead and support their patreon by the way in a conversation with french uh film site alicine 
Alicine? Alocine, because it's probably part of like cinema. Cine? Oh, that's less fun. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. <laughs> well, when he's talking to Allison, uh, <laughs> director Christoph Gans nonchalantly revealed that he's working on a sequel to 2006's Silent Hill adaptation, a.k.a. the only good video game movie in existence. <laughs> Not only that, he's adapting Koei Tecmo's Fatal Frame to the big screen. Ooh. In Christoph's words, quote, I have two horror film projects with Victor Hadida. I'm working on the adaptation of the video game Project Zero. That's what it's called in Europe. Uh, the film will take place in Japan. I especially don't want to uproot the game from its Japanese haunted house setting. And we're also working on a new Silent Hill. <laughs> the project will uh, will always be anchored in this atmosphere of a small American town, ravaged by puritanism. I think it's time to make a new one. End quote. Fatal Frame in the U.S., known as Zero in Japan, or Project Zero in Europe, actually already has a movie. Geki Joban Zero was a 2014 Japanese film based on the novelization of the video game series. On the Western front, Hollywood has been kicking around their own adaptation since 2003. At one point, Steven Spielberg was even attached to the script. <laughs> I'm not kidding about that. He likes video games, evidently. As for Silent Hill, the original film saw an ill-fated follow-up in 2012 called Silent Hill Revelation, which has earned a Metascore of 16. Though we have no indication whether the new film will adapt an existing story from the games, Rely on Horror points out that Christoph Gans's favorite franchise character is James Sunderland, hmm. the protagonist of Silent Hill 2. Interesting. This is this is an interesting one. I didn't actually know that Fatal Frame had an alternate uh, name <laughs> as Project Zero. I was like, what? What is that? <laughs> um, I like this guy, Christoph Gaines. Gaines. He, he is a master cinematographer. I loved what he did with Silent Hill, uh, that what, 2006 movie, mm -hmm. the best video game adaptation in, in cinema history ever. To date, um, I think his his touch of French cinema and his his idea of what horror should be and how to really make it a true to screen adaptation was awesome um so i'm, I'm stoked for him to do a follow-up because that would be really cool i don't know if i'm really stoked for it to be a follow-up to revelation but like you do have to i guess continue in line of those movies well actually uh there's no indication that it will be a follow-up to revelation mm -hmm. it would be a sequel to his original film probably okay. um with revelation i was doing a little research on that mm -hmm. he was asked to direct it back in 2009 okay. and he just passed on that shit immediately because <laughs> he quote he was quoted as saying um, they wanted to basically take it into a Resident Evil direction, and he said, mm -hmm. no, fuck that. And he left. And then they did it anyway. They did it anyway. Okay. Yeah, it had Kit Harrington in there and fucking Sheen Bean together. Yeah, I watched the quick trailer for it on Netflix or something, and I was like, ooh, okay, this is weird. Carrie Ann Moss is in it. Nice. Yeah, movie's a piece of shit, though. <laughs> it's just really awful. Absolute piece of shit. As for uh, Fatal Frame, that's a weird one, what really. Honestly, because I, I think that's such a cult game mm -hmm. uh, it would be making like an adaptation of siren from from playstation that'd be it's, cool like it would be cool but it's just like i feel like it's it. like it's so cool and it doesn't nearly have the same notoriety as like silent hill or resident evil yeah of course not but i i still think it could um it could definitely punch through in horror circles right because sure. it's like this it basically speaks to japanese horror nonetheless so i think mm -hmm. there's it would find its audience find its fans whether yeah. it's going to be niche when it comes out or not mm -hmm. right i, I think it's still going to do well. i mean i think if it comes out and it is just a great horror movie people will be no. taken aback by it and then if they're like oh it's an adaptation of project zero like that'd be no. cool you know like so. I, hey we we saw that uh that that basically cross-pollination happened with the witcher people mm -hmm. were like this is a game too yeah. and fucking the numbers shot up for that to 
Maybe if, the, if this mm-hmm. adaptation's good, or both of these are good in modern era, mm-hmm. people go back and go, I want more Silent Hill. I want more Fatal Frame. I want Fatal Frame on the fucking Switch. I mean, yeah, that would obviously, that'd be a cool proof of concept for it. Like, is there still a pulse mm-hmm. for Fatal Frame? We've seen little bits of it here and there, like um, assist characters in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Or spirit characters like they have every video game character yeah, in all of existence. I mean, it, it was cool to see that. I was like, oh, it's a nice little fatal frame nod. Like, I haven't no. fucking played that game in forever, so that was definitely neat. But like, I would love to see this drive further and then kind of revisit the franchise because it's been a while. So my thing though here is horror. I feel like has taken such a different direction in previous years in terms of movies. I feel like long gone are the days of like the dumb slasher movie or like mindless horror. It's definitely gotten a little more highbrow and intelligent, especially with, you know, directors like, you know, Jordan Peele on the scene or movies like It Follows, Midsummer, Midsummer you know, Ar- what um, Ari Aster's doing, even Cabin in the Woods. So it's like, it's a bit more heady, a bit more thoughtful. I feel like they would be wise to maybe reapproach how this could be seen as a horror movie in which, the current day. Which one, Fatal Frame or Silent Hill? Both. Okay. Like, literally both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe with Fatal Frame, you can get away with doing a more traditional horror movie. Mm-hmm. But if you want Silent Hill to have that same reach with Western audience as well, you have to kind of do something more modern with it, I think. What does that look like for you? Like, do you, you think they can get away with doing, like, you know, creepy monsters walking around a desolate town? Mm-hmm. Or do they have to go for something headier? Or... I think it has to strike a fine balance of, of both, obviously, because like mm-hmm. you can do some very, very grotesque monsters or visual things. Like I, I, I guess look at how Haunting of Hill House did it, right? It did it in doses. It wasn't beating us over the head with it, but it's like here's some really heady, intense like drama and stuff driving the plot forward, and then there's a ghost or something visually striking that really kind of throws you off balance. Like don't mm-hmm. overdo it. Like I, I love what Christoph Gans did with like the original Silent Hill, but after a while, it's like okay, there's some weird character and monster designs here. Like the fucking coal miners. I'm just like, okay. Oh yeah, every scene there's like a new creature <laughs> yeah. coming out of the woodwork. Subtlety was not a thing that movie was going yeah. for in most of its scenes. I mean, Pyramid Head literally grabs a woman by her breast and, and rips, rips off all of her skin. Yeah, which is like iconic and awesome, but skin. like that shit doesn't translate now. Like I don't think you could do that same thing. I think you do have to do something a little more measured in its horror. I mean, maybe, maybe not. I, I'm not sure. I think there's still a taste for that kind of a horror mm. film. like Because it's not like Silent Hill was like splat stick. It wasn't like it was just, you know, heads exploding for fun. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely was, I won't no? say subdued. No, talk about the climax. <laughs> the climax is when somebody gets lit on fire on a fucking ladder above some sort of pot. Yeah, no, I, no, it I got you. It becomes this tentacular barbed wire beast that kills like, 30 plus people at the same time if you gave me a silent hill film that took like an hour and a half to get to a scene where like pyramid head shows up i'd be fucking bored (laughs) yeah i would reject that film just because i'd be like stop trying to be like hereditary Mm -hmm. like don't do that and i don't think christoph gans isn't going that direction Mm -hmm. so i I don't know i don't know i think they there's something to modernize to it but not by much i don't look at the original silent hill and think like oh this is completely outdated now Mm -hmm. like i I actually didn't feel that way i enjoyed we just watched it uh like last october and i enjoyed the shit yeah we did a a versus between resident evil one and and silent Hill. oh if you want to talk about something that needs modern modernizing resident evil is fucking woefully behind the times undoubtedly Undoubtedly, I think yeah. Christoph Gans has a far better understanding <laughs> than, um, what's his name? Paul W.S. Anderson. I think he has a better grounding and understanding of what horror looks like yeah. in a context, whereas, like, Paul W.S. Anderson's like, 
Add grenades, add action, add Mila, all Mila, all the time. Kick, have her kicking. Show her legs. Show this woman's legs. <laughs> like he kept on, kept on screaming. I'm sure he had like a little spray, like a spray bottle of water. He's like, you need to be sweaty all of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know. I'm interested to see where he thinks it can go. It's mm-hmm. interesting that he still wants to pick up on the themes of like Puritanism and like religion and all that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I think that fits. That shit's scary. I think the thing that makes that kind of idea fit for a modern day Silent Hill is that we do have this kind of cultish mindset that we've seen like pockets like pop up in society whether it be something as like the mob rule of people voting one way or another or the mob rule of people taking a stance against beliefs i mean look at um brexit Mm -hmm. for instance right now what have you played with that concept Mm -hmm. of like this kind of division and ideas in a horror film because that's what the point of horror is Mm -hmm. is to be uh, an exaggeration of real life that uses monsters and spooks in the dark in order to make commentary about what's going on um we have something like that it comes from the fucked up mind of ryan murphy it's called american horror story i don't want to watch that and that, that was, yeah that was bad yeah, <laughs> so that was bad. No. I, I think we definitely yeah somebody could approach it but it can't be like that at all because i think they tried that with Colt, right where <laughs> yeah. they're like let's do a modern take on like trump's america and it was just so hyperbolic and just off in every way and with like, the sucks that's like giving eli roth midsummer <laughs> <laughs> i don't want to see that movie nobody wants to see that movie but all that to say, this is cool. Fatal Frame, let's go. And new Silent Hill, I'm all on board for it. So Let's take some ghost nudes. Fatal Frame. Wow. <laughs> Number five on here. We got some more horror talk, my friend. Jesus Christ. Resident Evil. What? Come on. <laughs> Number five on here. Resident Evil 8 rumors suggest werewolves and red fields. Mm. My goodness. Keeping with our survival horror streak, rumors regarding Capcom's next mainline Resident Evil title are being passed around the dark corners of the internet. As reported by Biohazard Declassified, Resident Evil 8 is currently in production and will retain the first-person perspective of Resident Evil 7. Thank the Lord. It's all that makes him happy. The unannounced sequel will also see Ethan Winters return as the main protagonist, with Chris, with Chris Redfield appearing in some sort of supporting role. Instead of the bayous of Louisiana, however, the game is said to be set in Europe and will begin in a small village before moving players to a castle area, not unlike the course of events in Resident Evil 4. I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I'm just imagining, like, Ethan Winters in the main role, and then, like, Chris, kind of like how Ashley is to, to Leon, <laughs> just, like, being like, Ethan! Ethan, help! Listen, you nobody... to put fucking Chris in a barrel. <laughs> I'm about to say, nobody, nobody puts our boy Chris in a dumpster. <laughs> the game will forego the molded enemies found in the Baker estate in favor of more traditional zombies, while adding a new werewolf-like enemy, as well as a ghostly female figure that stalks you. Sort of like a Mrs. X. Get it? Did you? Did I you got it. Yeah, that's okay. good. That's all right. However, the aesthetic gamer, remember him? They, <laughs> whose uncle clearly works at Capcom or something, doesn't believe these rumors match the game's current state. They tweeted their take: "Quote: I am certain the RE8 that's being talked about is not the final game, and is probably what Capcom rebooted about half a year ago." End quote. They went on to mention that Chris Redfield's appearance and the B-movie monster vibe fit with other murmurings they've heard, but affirm this isn't the final direction Capcom is headed hmm. with Resident Evil 8. Okay, so this is a rumor that's just kind of like on weird ground. I think it's one of those things where it could just be outdated information. Mm-hmm. I mean, a game evolves over time. Any mm-hmm. game does. And if you look at Resident Evil historically, look at part four alone. Yeah. It went through five different permutations. Mm-hmm. In fact, that game started as part three, mm-hmm. 
became the prototype for Devil May Cry mm-hmm. and then evolved into a game about ghosts. Ghost, yeah. And then it turned into about a hook man chasing you through a, a mansion. Mm-hmm. And finally it landed on, let's just do Die Hard in Spain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think um, Capcom's keen, like even this aesthetic gamer guy is saying that Capcom's keen on like maybe retaining some of these assets for something else Mm -hmm. in fact he has this thread where he talks about basically resident evil revelations 2 came about because capcom like had some good ideas for a sequel that got scrapped and Mm -hmm. they're like you know what let's still use this and he also mentions that capcom's been doing several play tests uh, behind the scenes which we both assumed was for uh resident evil resistance Mm -hmm. but in actuality he thinks that people are getting hands-on with prototypes for part eight Ah. and other titles in the franchise in fact on January 30th, your boy Kevin of the Save Room, the Capcom captain himself, got an invite for a playtest that's happening in the U.S. I think like L.A. and somewhere else. Oh, really? But you have to go in person. And I'm just like, nah, I can't do that. Hmm. So Capcom's like constantly trying to get feedback for these projects and figure out where to go with it. Okay. Do you think werewolves <laughs> and Ethan being back and Chris showing up, is that what you want to see from a follow-up to 7? It definitely seems a little more large-scale and out there, uh-huh. especially for the franchise. I mean, not, not I guess nothing is really off the table with the franchise anymore, but considering where 7 took it, more grounded, you know, it still went off the rails in regards where it's like you had molded monsters that you were coming across, but then also you had fucking... Uh, Mrs. Baker was a spider monster, and and Jack became this giant fucking you know beast of of bio warfare. So like, yeah, nothing's out of the realms of of possible with the franchise. But like, werewolves and ghosts just seem so weird. You mm. know, um, I think definitely if you set it in a castle that maybe has a lineage and a his- history and a horror of its own, that could be cool. You know, because like you take it out of um, Dolby. Louisiana, take it somewhere else, and you could do something else with it entirely. But if you were to like, hey, let's take it to like Europe and have the molded be there, it wouldn't fit as much. So there has to be a reason you're going there. Um, whether it's a, a situation that Ethan gets in with Mia, or maybe Chris like makes you partake in, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what it would be, but I, I think there's potential for something cool there. Maybe. You know, that, that's another thing, too. It's like, what is Ethan's motivation like, for doing this again? Like, he was just a guy. He was just a guy who's... Looking for his wife. Who's, who's, his wife worked for this fucking paramilitary operation that we found out in the endgame where it's like, oh, okay, we didn't realize that what was happening, even though you might have had a suspicion here and there, and it's like, okay, well, what's your motivation now? Did she get kidnapped by a werewolf? Like, uh-huh. what, what happens this time? She becomes the werewolf. Because a lot of it revolved around Evelyn and the, the E-virus, right? So it's... Yeah. Like, unless there's continuation of that, maybe another fucking ship marooned off the shores of Europe somewhere, and then there's more continuation there. Maybe Chris is like, oh, your involvement in, in Louisiana would be helpful here. We need you to go with us. Let's let's yeah. see what's happening here. I mean, there's definitely some threads to pick up on. Yeah. Um, the blue umbrella mm-hmm. thing that's going on with Chris wasn't really explained too well. Mm. Uh, the DLC, uh, what was it, Not a Hero yeah. starring him, kind of touched upon it where like Chris is working with the organization almost on a contract basis. Like mm-hmm. He's still BSAA, but he's very mistrustful of this new umbrella for yeah. obvious fucking reasons. Yeah. There's something to really like play with there. Mm-hmm. But why would I want to play with those concepts under the, you know, Ethan's perspective? He's nobody, mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially. I don't know. I didn't I didn't think he was a character that was like, yeah, let's keep on going with Ethan. You know, it's like, well, you, you mean the guy that uh, got his hand ripped off at well, one point? His well, own wife did that to him. 
Yeah, and I think his story is most fascinating when you're following that personal tale. He has such a motivation. You're like, I gotta find out what happened to Mia. You know, even if I ended up liking Zoe more, you know, I gotta know what happens to Mia. But it's like, you have to have motivations because it's like, Chris literally had no fucking involvement with Ethan at all. Even the Not A Hero DLC was strictly around him. Like, Ethan was gone at that point, but like, Chris was just chasing his fucking trail the entire time. Yeah, exactly. I feel like their arc is done. They, but they do leave on a helicopter at the end of seven. Where does that helicopter go? You know, Mm. maybe it goes to Europe. Maybe there is a continuation there. Maybe there's more of a story to be found there. So (laughs) we tried to go to North Carolina, and then a wind wind uh, gust (laughs) took us all the way to fucking Europe. I'm sorry. A paranormal gust pushed us all the way. Paranormal (laughs) gust. These damn flying werewolves (laughs) got in the way. But I think I think it is smart to keep the first person perspective. I think that really did wonders for reboot booting the, the series and, and kind of uh-huh. breathing new life into it and i think putting it in another real than setting like a castle with f- older familiar horror elements like ghosts and werewolves could be cool although new for the franchise so i will always submit that i don't want ghosts in resident evil because mm-hmm. resident evil's always been about biological horrors mm-hmm. and introducing supernatural elements doesn't quite like appease what i like that series yeah. for especially like playing through the remake of resident evil 2 and then what we're going to get in part 3 mm-hmm. that's all an outbreak that's all like yeah. just you know chemicals gone amok basically and a corporate greed mm-hmm. so like moving on to this like there's gonna be a ghost girl it's just like well, ah, i'll know. admit like what they did with seven was kind of weird I a little bit thought what, it was clever the reveal though yeah where evelyn was kind of like it felt like it was happening in Ethan's head where it's like she would show up in pockets, she would disappear. You would see her running and then she was gone. And then like she ended up like materializing and then disappearing by the end of it. But it's like she was a, a, a presence that you couldn't really discern whether she was real or, or not. Right, but, but she has a demonstrable effect on the people around yeah. her. It was never a situation where it's like, it's just a spirit. Yeah. Like, so that, that I respected that where it was like, everyone was like, is it a ghost? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And then there was like more to chew on and more of a mystery to get into, right? Whereas the original concept for four that was that horror with ghost mm-hmm. idea, like that was so fucking weird. And I'm glad they didn't continue with that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that would have gone, but hey, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. see. I think eight is, we're not close to it. Mm-hmm. Although Capcom's pretty good about fucking releasing things they've been killing their release schedule lately i don't i don't understand how they're doing it how many fucking teams they got going on but like they're doing like brilliant high volume work right now right so So. but if anything like i would anticipate this to be a next gen game which Mm. makes it really exciting Mm. our first resident evil uh on next gen god damn that'd be cool would that be like kind of one of the first like resident evils to come out near a console launch um i think we talked about that before i think like some offbeat fucking game like uh, revelations or something came Mm -hmm. out near a console launch but yeah i can't think of another one that was near the start yeah if anything i don't anticipate seeing anything about this until 2021 Mm -hmm. at the earliest no i think that's fair because they still have a ways of support to go with resident evil 3 project resistance i feel like there's something they can milk there for at least a full year plus actually daniel let's Mm -hmm. get aggressive with it right let's move that ecd up i think we're gonna see the announcement of part 8 at e3 this year oh wow Mm mm-hmm Okay, that that's bold. I don't mind being wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying let's 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 put our fucking hat in the race because mm. literally we we're like, oh wow, Resident Evil Two is so good. I I love this ge- part three. What? That's how it felt, right? Mm. So I'm gonna say they they have eight eight in the burner and you, they want to show it to us. You think we get the announcement of eight before we get the announcement of another remake? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna do another remake uh, mm. before eight eight comes out. Okay, for sure. Because like I'm sure they're trying to consider. Do we remake Code Veronica? Do we remake Four? Do we do Dino Crisis? Do like, we do, do, we do? Yeah. exactly? Yeah, that's they're at a crossroads. Okay, right? they're at a crossroads. But I think any decision they make is gonna be a good one. So 
It's going to be a sexy decision. Indeed. Also, Jean Renu should be a part of the cast, right? I mean, that's what made Anamusha 3 so good. If you could just sprinkle him into, like, more of the games. Uh-huh. And I don't care if he's a ghost. <laughs> like, it's fine if he, he shows She's the ghost up. of Jean Renu. He's <laughs> like, oh, shit. Oh, oh. The, the star of the professional just just attacked me in the bathroom. He's yeah. talking about Matilda. What is he? What is he going on about? Also, he knows Matthew Broderick. Did you know that, <laughs> sir? I have a number six on here for you. Mm-hmm. The Star Wars license is finally working out for EA. Apparently, oh, that makes me so happy to hear. Right. So, following an investors' call held last Thursday, EA revealed sales figures for Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, mm. respawn single player foray into a galaxy far, far away. Uh, I hate you. <laughs> was expected to sell through six to eight million units by March thirty first. Well, it hit the 8 million target back in December, according to EA's chief financial officer, Blake Jorgensen, when he, which he also admits is, quote, a strong result for a single-player action game, hmm. end quote. It's almost like he's gritting through his teeth. Yes, we are certainly happy. Like, he's pleased but bitter. He's like, yes, we. there are no surprise mechanics in Jedi Fallen Order. <laughs> Chief Executive Andrew by FIFA Wilson said, quote, Respawn delivered an expertly crafted, high-quality experience with outstanding gameplay that thrilled players, made many Game of the Year lists, and sold beyond our projections for the quarter. I will contest high-quality experience, but yes, Andrew, go off. Sir, it is a high-quality experience. When I was falling through the levels, I said to myself, no one does this better. (laughs) (laughs) Sales estimates have been adjusted upward, and now EA expects the game to sell 10 million units by the end of March. Wilson also confirmed that Star Wars Battlefront 2 performed beyond EA's third-quarter expectations, likely bolstered by the dearth of new content released leading up to Rise of Skywalker's premiere. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of good content. We talked about that on one of our plays episodes. As for the Star Wars franchise's future under EA, well, rumors suggest a remake of Knights of the Old Republic is in the works. Jordan Meisen of Cinelinks, the same site that leaked uh, Ewan McGregor's return as Obi-Wan, says the game will be more of a reimagining than a faithful remake. Hmm. It will incorporate story elements from the first and second games and even bring parts of the current Star Wars canon into the story. Hmm. Mason writes, Mason? Mason writes, quote, I've heard EA has a bunch of Star Wars projects in various stages of work at this point. From Jedi Fallen Order sequels, the Project Luminous tie-in, to something on the Switch. There's a lot going on. From what I'm hearing, it really sounds like EA has found their groove with the Star Wars license. Uh, End quote. That makes me nervous, actually. Why is that? Because they've had various projects in the works for such a long time, and it leads to cancelizations and reshoots and this and that and restructurings of studios. And it's just like, I feel like when they have focus on one or two projects at a time, we get higher quality projects. Mm -hmm. Where it's like when we were going from 1313 to, um, oh fuck, I forget the Amy Henning one. What was that called? Oh, that was... um, uh ragtag thank you yeah and then what then became fallen order it's like i just feel like there was so much happening behind the scenes and like they couldn't focus on a single fucking vision that's you game know. development baby no i'm sure that can happen yeah. to any yeah. studio it's just I mean, funny it happened to you yeah exactly <laughs> i mean that could definitely happen with a studio too that has a single focus i mean it happens time and time again look at things that happen with like the witcher and dragon age and destiny so like these these things do happen we hear stories about or 
you know, the games that could have been, what couldn't have been, but we also don't hear a bunch of shit, too. Mm-hmm. There's probably so many projects that, like, die sure. in a loft line. I, I think that's kind of more of the nature of the industry, especially since it's so expensive and it's... I always think about when it comes to like project or product management to fail fast is better to than to get like 75% of the way through and have to scrap it. Yeah. Right. So I prefer that when it comes to the future of this franchise, I do feel a little more hopeful Mm -hmm. to be honest with you, because I think EA is kind of broken out of their old mindsets Mm -hmm. and have said, you know what, let's give something like Jedi Fallen Order a chance and see what the fuck happens, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of just being totally bullish about the fact that it needs to fit some sort of business model, Mm -hmm. like a games as a service game, they gave it a chance and it succeeded. So that opens up the door for more games like that. If you asked me two years ago, do I think EA would have committed any amount of resources into a Knights of the Old Republic anything? I would have been like, fuck no. Yeah, I would have laughed my way all the way to the hospital. I'd be like, fucking... hell no. <laughs> they ain't gonna do that shit. Yeah. So it's actually pretty encouraging to hear that, like, hey, they're looking around and going, mm-hmm. what can we do? And to even know that, like, hmm, that was a name that mattered, <laughs> you know, even though it's a 17-year-old game, it's a name that mattered. How do we make it matter today? No, no, I, I think there's there's something definitely to be said about that for sure. Um, I feel like they definitely struggled hard in like the last three four years with their Star um, Star Wars IP, and they needed to do something that would work and that would speak to fans. I'm glad they threw out their their mindset of gamers don't want single player games. Of course they fucking do. What are you fucking talking do. about? Just because there's a large demographic of players that <laughs> want multiplayer games doesn't mean there isn't a second demographic of people who want single player games. It's it's both. You you can do both at the same time. Like you could support your battlefront and then have a single player experience. So I just I hated the dichotomy in their mind of it has to be one or the other. It's like no, we can mm-hmm. do both. Like gaming speaks to such a wide breadth of people with a lot of interests. Um, I think the success of Fallen Order is awesome. I hope they do more with that. I hope we get a sequel that is just as good as the original. Um, Better. And with a higher quality of experience. Let me collect more plants. Oh, God. I need so many plants in that galaxy. (laughs) And give me a plant Tamagotchi so that I know when they are growing. It would be the perfect sequel, dude. Mm. Tamagotchi, Jedi Fallen Order 2. Main character, Cal Lightsaber, his hair, even redder. Even redder. Even redder. Red is the second sun. Oh, I like that. (laughs) That's pretty great. Um, Talk to me about Kotar, though. How do you you feel about this idea of a, like, reimagining? I think that's a really cool direction that's almost too respectful for EA's decision-making process to say, you know what, let's combine two famously beloved games. Yeah, it must have been an intern who had that idea. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Somebody was like, do you know what Kotar is? And they were like, what the fuck is Andy talking about? What? How do we get this light? You... you you ha- you you made the you published those back in the day. What are you talking, Andy? Get the fuck out of here! Really liked them. Goddamn nerd! He's got a fucking Death Star on his desk. Who does he think we are? We're money makers. That was Bioware, right? Uh, Bioware did the original, mm-hmm. and then uh, Obsidian Games did the sequel. Okay. And the sequel, infamous because it released without a proper ending. Like they didn't have time to make an ending that made sense. Oh. So it, it's always been considered this fantastic but slightly unfinished game. And they never won an after the fact and like patched it or added an update to the ending? What? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that weird? That is, I guess that was before that was a thing, right? Yeah, it was. It was before, like, you know, with Mass Effect 3, they went back and were like, oh, here's all these extra cutscenes where they're high-fiving all the hobbits on the journey. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a cool idea, and I think it's also... I don't know. How do you feel about the fact of them trying to integrate it with, like, the new Star Wars canon? Like, does that feel a little 
strange, you know, because like they, when Disney took over, Mm -hmm. they basically said all of this extended universe is nothing. It's a, it's a neat what if, Mm -hmm. but it's not actual canon anymore. Yeah, but if you talk to George Lucas, he's like, it's all canon. It's all my little baby. Shut the fuck up, George. (laughs) Come back to your fucking prequels. Fucking Kathleen Kennedy is texting me like, you better shut the fuck up, old man. (laughs) I don't want to see another fucking BuzzFeed article with your stupid face on it. You mentioned Jar Jar one more time. I'm going to blow out your kneecaps. (laughs) (laughs) We killed Jar Jar in a book nobody read. (laughs) Damn, Kathleen Kennedy is a viper. (laughs) Yes, she is. Yes, she is. Um, Yeah, I don't. I don't really know, like, because the thing is, I didn't play Knights of the Old Republic or any of the Old Republic games. I only played it a little bit. So I don't yeah. even really know. I, I imagine they tackle the lore of the Old Republic, so, you know? <laughs> yes, they did. Um, does it give you context? They really did inform what became Mass Effect. Mm. When it, it was a choice-driven action RPG. Mm. I hear it was, like, the first Star Wars game where it gave you agency to play like a Sith, whereas before that, it was, like... You're always going to be a Jedi. You're always going to do good. You're always going to play as, like, a titular character, like, fucking Luke. Or, I guess, mm-hmm. Shadows of the Empire did it a little bit differently, where you're, like, playing as a bounty hunter type. Uh, what was his name? Dax Rendar? Dax Rendar? I forget his name. Dax Shepard, I think. Dax Shepard. He looks <laughs> yeah. like Dax Shepard. <laughs> Master Dax Shepard. <laughs> but, yeah, the, so he wasn't necessarily, like, a Jedi, but he was a good guy. Yeah, yeah. Walking, a, you know, kind of a, a shady line at times. No, that, that binary that existed in KOTAR is what made it famous yeah. in that you could lean toward the Jedi side or mm. go toward the Sith side, depending on your choices. Mm. And the world, like, actually reacted to you. That's where the Paragon system yeah. came from for Mass Effect. So, yeah, that's fucking Groundbreaking. great. Cool. Yeah, hell, if we're a Star Wars game, yeah. it's, that's why 17 years later, it's still one of the most mm. beloved, right? So I'm, I'm excited to see wherever that goes. But I'm also excited for more Jedi Fallen Order. And what are they doing in the Switch? What the fuck? You better bring back uh, pod racing, motherfuckers. That's that's what's next. Yeah, boy. where are the, the Star Wars games on the Switch? Give me some ports. Give me Pod Racer 1. Give me Rogue Squadron. You know what I want, Dan- mm-hmm. Daniel? Daniel, you know what I want? It has been so long Whoa. since we've gotten a pod racing game. Do you know how many worlds we can have now to pod race through, dog? As many as George Lucas can imagine. Why is it George? Because <laughs> he's my he's my fucking gravity center for all things Star Wars. You know what I really want? Mm-hmm. Let's put the video games aside. Sorry, gamers. Mm-hmm. I want Ryan Johnson's Star Wars Pod Racer, a new film. <laughs> <laughs> and then I want J.J. Abrams to come in, make a second film that follows it up and just erases all of his ideas. <laughs> just erases. He's like, hmm. Yeah, cute idea, but no. We're bringing Anakin back. Yeah. Yeah, Anakin's coming back in Sepulva. But he already lived and died as Darth Vader. Fuck you, Ryan. J.J. <laughs> Abrams, Star Wars pod racer. Watto's Revenge. I mean, it would legit probably be beat for yeah. beat the same thing, because that's what he knows how to do. He knows how to do homages to the originals. <laughs> J.J., I love you. Good love you, J.J. Uh, number seven on here is the weekly switch down, something that we've kind of done, a reoccurring segment in the past where we've got so much Nintendo news, we want to just put it all in the same spot for you. you know? Yahoo! <laughs> Yahoo! So grab your Joy-Cons, boys and girls. Let's. This is a wild one. I am number one! Nintendo is trying to be number one. I kissed Squeegee! <laughs> Fuck up. Uh, a lot of this comes from Forbes, uh, with the main header being, the Nintendo Switch has possibly outsold the Xbox One. 
Say it ain't so. Could have seen that coming. <laughs> While Nintendo got a late start this generation with the Nintendo Switch, that hasn't stopped them from going toe-to-toe with console frontrunners Sony and Microsoft and smashing sales year after year. Since its March 2017 launch, the Switch has gone on to sell a whopping 52.48 million units. This is a massive success for Nintendo following the commercial failure of the Wii U. According to Forbes, quote, Nintendo put up some massive numbers in a recent earnings report revealing 16 million copies of Pokemon Sword and Shield sold in six weeks, the highest since Gold and Silver, and its best Switch sales quarter since launch, with 10.81 million sold, bringing its grand total to 52.48 million units, end quote. The real impressive thing that has Philly Spence shaken is that the Switch has possibly gone on to outsell, or at least match the Xbox One, in sales. Xbox One, which launched in November 2013, was last reported to have sold around 50 million units, This is an estimate as actual numbers are harder to gauge since Xbox stopped reporting sales for the console a couple years ago. PlayStation, on the other hand, is the winner this console race with PS4 selling 102.8 million units. Many are speculating whether Switch will go on to dominate the PS4 in the long haul. While hard to gauge, currently Doug Bowser and his Koopa Troopas are working hard to sell you iterations of the same thing. So these are kind of like, that's the main sales idea of like where Switch is currently and this is kind of going to be a breakdown of like some Um, switch iterations that are coming down the line that have got people fucking freaking out Mm. coming on the heels of animal crossing new horizons march 30th 2020 release a special edition animal crossing switch with a matching last time you've come on somebody's heels (laughs) (laughs) well i did have a late night last night so you know that that was a thing sorry (laughs) with a matching dock was just announced and is set to release in early march Girlfriends and AC fans worldwide cite a collective ooey and spread their wallets as it is cute and pastel and everything they've ever wanted. You're toxic. This will no doubt be a smash success for Nintendo. You think I'm toxic? That's mean. I'm a toxic adventure. Girlfriends. We've said it before. Girlfriends and Assassin's Creed fans? Additionally, the rumor of a Switch Pro in 2020 had gamers preemptively breaking open their wallets, but you can rest easy as Nintendo assures that this won't be happening this year. Quote, Please note that we have no plans to launch a new Nintendo Switch model during 2020, said Nintendo President Shantaro Furukawa during a corporate management policy briefing for the first three quarters of the company's current fiscal year. Oh no! Due to the success... <laughs> Due to the success of the Nintendo Switch Lite, it has caused Furukawa and Co. to pump the brakes and give attention there for now. Quote, we feel that we have not yet fully communicated the special features and appeal of Nintendo Switch Lite, so we will continue to address this going forward. End quote. Strange thing to say. Right? We don't have... Everyone who owns a Switch doesn't own a Lite. We will address this. <laughs> we will onboard just as many people to the Lite as we have the Switch. Oh, we're only at 10... 10 million we need at least fucking 42.48 million more we've actually released a patch that expands the battery in your normal switch please buy a light please buy a light we need this to sell we've created the switch mini dock what, what? it's a, it's why can i use my normal dock uh, t- t- get the fuck out of the room skews sales uh skews 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 skew. like that's doug bowser's in there just doing it skews skews dance skews, <laughs> fucking skews dancing skews. on the ghost of reggie just fucking doing the skew dance everybody skews 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 are they gonna close that fucking what is it they have like 50 more million units to go until they hit uh ps4 numbers mm-hmm 
maybe I don't know. PS4 is a runaway success, Doggy yeah. Dog. A runaway success. I mean, at this point, it's really hard to gauge, right? Because like Nintendo Switch came out the gates like halfway through the console generation. You know what? Uh-huh. PS4 and and uh, Xbox One had launched around 2013, basically, yeah, yeah, respectively. And then for Switch to come out like four years later, three and a half, four years later, it's like um, you're making up a lot of ground as it is. And at this point, like we're already looking at the next Xbox and PlayStation iterations. So like Xbox One X or Series One X rather and PS5 are like right around the corner. So it's like I could see them potentially outselling uh, current gen consoles for sure or maybe like getting close to the heels of um ps4 because like you look at like what the wii did in the long haul it became one of the fucking most successful selling consoles of all time mm-hmm. you know so like i think in the long haul there's potential but then it's like okay well ps5 is going to come out and fucking dominate like right. all over again so it's like you're not going to outsell the ps5 in the long haul so it's just like they're always going to be trailing in a way if if anyone's poised to do it Mm -hmm. it's them i don't doubt that they're going to go on and sell fucking another like 40 45 million fucking units Mm -hmm. like over time right i mean 3ds was selling way after that expectancy rate and a lot of it was well the skew 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 you know yeah because we had what the 3ds the 3ds xl the 3ds Lite, the 3ds for your mom 3ds for your brother 2ds 2ds xl XL, luigi edition it's like every variation had a variation basically at that point especially if she's very asian (laughs) thank you sir gambino um (laughs) for me i'm i'm not too disappointed that there's not like a switch pro like Mm. i I really do need to understand the uh, value add there Mm. like i get like oh it's gonna have uh you know 4k support but Mm. like i still primarily play my switch on my back laying down with like mm. fucking funhouse in the background mm. right so like i'm not gonna get the benefits of 4k on my little led screen mm. I, I don't think so if they came out and were like hey we fucking fix the joy cons are not as like you know stupid as mm. shit awesome <laughs> you know joy con drifting it's like a fucking yeah. clean experience all across the board like but i think you have to have experience that really speak to like why you need to get the hardware you know whenever they do that announcement for breath of the wild too then is the time to strike hot with it. okay right. switch pro's coming out because like it makes sense this game is going to probably put more stress on the hardware it's going to need to perform a little better with a better um console maybe we want that to be seen in 4k like so mm-hmm. there has to be value play for you know why that console matters you know yeah for sure otherwise i don't think very many people are going to adopt it like i mean we talked about how People didn't really have a reason to adopt the light if you're totally mm. happy with your Switch. But if you never had a Nintendo Switch and there's a $100 cheaper option mm. out there, hell yeah! So I think it's part of that strategy going forward for Nintendo is figuring out what those pockets in their consumer base is. Going, hey, does this make sense for kids? We have a model that makes sense for kids. We have a model that makes sense for the high-end gamer. We have a model that makes sense for like the casual in-betweener. You know, like I think that's going to really serve them going forward, right? Although it does get a little ridiculous like if, you know, we get to 2021 or 2022 and it's like, here's the fucking Switch Pro XL. And you're like, what the heck? It's basically a small monitor. (laughs) Like, what are we doing? So I think they need to dial it back. But I still think, like, regardless of whether or not they overtake PS4 or even put a dent in what PS5 is going to do, this is a fucking smashing success for them. Oh, yeah, of course. Especially coming off, like, the the heels of, like I said, the failure that Wii U was. Like, I feel like they 
had fallen so hard in in terms of the public eyes and like the long term fans. Like I know like Wii U had its fans for sure, but for the most part, people didn't like it. It did not strike the same chord as like the Wii, or it wasn't ex- exactly what they wanted in, in comparison, like what the PS3. Oh, Xbox. confusing messaging, yeah. uh, confusing design, and I I don't think anybody actually is like in favor of the hardware itself, or like will will go to bat for the hardware. Mm-hmm. It was the games that were good. Mm-hmm. There was like a handful, or actually more than a handful of really solid fucking games mm-hmm. that we've been doing a fucking rescue mission to get onto the Switch. Yeah, right? of course. Like I just heard that there's still rumors of Wonderful 101, one mm-hmm. of the best Wii U games from Platinum Games coming to the switch still people are like oh we want it hold on ring 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 a ring ring kevin hello hey hey kevin it's daniel um so i heard what you said on the save room episode 83 about uh, nintendo speaking about pockets uh for certain consumers knowing how to sell to kids parents and everybody but um here's the thing about nintendo fans right they'll buy every fucking console it doesn't matter it doesn't matter i didn't think that's where you're going with that conversation i thought you're gonna ask me for a peach pocket pussy <laughs> <laughs> that's a different episode that's that's save room plays um, I'm, I'm getting into my plays mindset we're at the end of the news one and i'm just like let's get into plays let's get dude. a little wired and crazy let's get a little wired dude. no but i th- i think so it doesn't matter you know if a nintendo fan is rabid about the hardware they'll buy the pro they'll buy the light they'll buy whatever version comes out because it's just like nintendo fans are enthusiasts like through and through and they love the the hardware so Truly, mm-hmm. truly do. And I mean, to be quite frank with you, if you came out with a red fucking Switch, mm-hmm. ooh, baby boy, mm-hmm. I might I might open my wallet. I might crack open my Mario wallet <laughs> <laughs> and just be like, Nintendo, break my card, baby boy. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Doug, you got me. I'm all skewed. <laughs> I gotta say, I, I actually think the Animal Crossing one is pretty neat. It bums me out that I'm not a huge fan. Because it's, it's kind of cute. And I, I like the, the overall like aesthetic and look of it. Yeah, and the dock looks nice, too. Like, damn. Yeah, we haven't seen too many, like, dock redesigns for special editions. So, like, I th- this is one of a few that we've seen, and it's actually really well done. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thank you, Doug Bowser. <laughs> you keep on giving. <laughs> Daniel, I have number eight on here. The, I think the it's last and final. The final bit. The, the final. The, the, the fate the of the eights. <laughs> <laughs> Justice for Han. Actually, no, this is just the fate of Google. That is true. Number eight on here is Google addresses criticism that they've been lagging behind on Stadia announcements. Hmm. Is that a latency joke? Thank you. You made it seem smarter than it was. Yeah. A certain Reddit thread on our Stadia has gained attention, not just from jilted fans of Google's streaming service, but from Google themselves. The post lambasts the tech giant for going 40 days at time of post without having made an announcement regarding new games or feature updates. The post calls out the fact that Stadia still lacks iOS support, family sharing, and Android support beyond just Pixel phones. The author also notes that while Google announced 120 games are coming to the service in 2020, we still have no idea what they are. A Google representative who spoke with GameIndustry.biz rebutes this perception of radio silence, stating that the team provides weekly updates on the Stadia community forum. As for the 120 mystery games coming to Stadia, the rep told the site, quote, We understand the desire to hear more specifics on the games. After all, that's what it's about. The games. Of course, not all 120 titles will be announced by the Stadia team, as we leave it up to the publishers to make their announcement about their IP slash games, and which platforms it will appear on, just as we will do with the exclusive content coming to Stadia, end quote. 
The representative also went on to explain, quote, We continue to work closely with our publishing and developing partners and are here to support them in all areas. We are excited to share more about some of the exclusive games coming to Stadia soon, end quote. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Have you noticed that they're just basically saying, nah <laughs> And then not actually, like, approaching the the problem statement, which is, we have no idea when these features are coming, Mm -hmm. we have no roadmap from you guys, and we Mm -hmm. don't even know what these exciting 120 games are. Which, actually, if you look at the rate of games coming out for other consoles, like PS4 at launch... Uh, 120 games is kind of scant, especially look at the Switch. The Switch straight up embarrasses well, the, the motherfucker. Well, the Switch had like at least a hundred indie games that came out within the first month. You know, <laughs> right. where it had all these other working promises and things going on. And I remember looking at the initial um, Switch lineup, where we're like, okay, they have partnerships with Ubisoft and like these teams and this and that. I'm like, it kind of looks meager, but they buffed up real quick. Like they delivered on the first party, second party, third party indie front oh, all sure. around. Like they they crushed it immediately because they knew they could. They had loyalty of like developers and publishers and already working relationships in place that benefited them to go forward with this new console whereas like google is just kind of fumbling right at this point i mean like we've heard and we've talked about the same comments Mm -hmm. which is it looks like this whole thing was well a beta Mm -hmm. a beta that they disguised as being a full launch Mm -hmm. and that's just patently untrue yeah especially if your customer base is saying like no talk like this is this is underbaked mm-hmm. the other thing is that um for people that have adopted the stadia to begin with they get the, the what the stadia pro pass or whatever which the gives them like edition? yeah sorry yeah. Not, not just the founder's edition it's like the pro subscription that okay. gives them like um two game two free games a month mm-hmm. uh to date only seven games have relief mm-hmm. released for that uh service and it's coming up past like the first three months to where they need to renew yeah and people on that thread were like I don't have a great reason to renew, man. And others are calling for it's like, uh, how about you give it to us for six months? Mm-hmm. You know, who who bought it at launch? Do a good it. faith thing because, like, for your founders to even get burned in the first place, it's like I feel like you need to do something to like honor their dollar and and support them for supporting you. You know, mm-hmm. for <laughs> making them your uh, basically your test users. Yeah. I got to play it. So we talked about it a little bit on um, the last Save Room plays that we did when Dave came into town and he, you know, he brought his controller and, you know, he had his laptop and basically just operated with him like a Chrome browser. Um, and it was a cool proof of concept, but it's like literally the conversation I had, I was like, I was playing Destiny 2. It was cool. And I'm like, awesome, cool. I'm playing Destiny 2. But like, I can already play Destiny 2 on my PS4 and it runs better and it doesn't run at the mercy of like, you know, my internet (laughs) in the same way. I mean, it does obviously, but like, it's just the connection on my console was more stable than it was through the browser. It it didn't drop nearly as hard as I thought it would, but it still dipped like frequently. What did it look like when it dipped? Did it do any like resolution lowering or? Yeah, it just kind of lowered for a little bit. Like it would drop to like, I don't know, like 480 or somewhere around there. 480? For like a second comeback What is this, 1970 (laughs) fucking three, bro? I'd rather play on a CRV. (laughs) But it it dropped very... Excuse, 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 excuse. Sorry. It dropped very like momentarily and then it like I was impressed by how quickly it came back up. The resolution um, refreshed and the frame rate was like kind of good. So like it was stable at times, but it was kind of inconsistent. But again, I was like, so what? I'm playing Destiny 2. I've played Destiny 2. What's the big deal? Like, mm-hmm. And I think like I have the conversation with Dave a lot, and he's like, it's just exciting tech. It doesn't speak to everybody, but it speaks to somebody like me who's interested in that streaming future, new ideas of where gaming can go. And it's, it's more of a promise than... Um, something that is well baked out you know and mm-hmm. i think they need to they need to keep 
going with it. They need to support it month after month after month and really prove that it's something that people should onboard with, you know? I think they, they launched it, and it feels like they abandoned it in a, in a weird way, where it's like they're not talking about it publicly in the ways they could be. They're not supporting it in the ways they could be, and it's just like they're kind of leaving their fans to, like, die with it. You know, I haven't paid too much attention to, like, previous Google products or launches and yeah. such, but do you think they're running into an issue where they're not used to the level of community engagement that, well, gamers kind of want mm-hmm. you know uh where we want those like blog posts from bethesda blog or community mm-hmm. updates you know just give you examples like mm-hmm. or like steam blog going like here's what's going on with the platform this month you know stuff like that mm-hmm. like do you think they're just lagging behind because they're just like oh you guys you guys want that <laughs> i mean that so that's what you got to consider when you get into the gaming market you have to consider the things that your consumers want it's not like something that you can just kind of launch and then abandoned like in the mm-hmm. way that they've done it with things in the past like uh what is it google glass was it glass did glass ever have like a full long I, th- I think it was always beta but yeah it, mm-hmm. it was out there for yeah. select people i remember there have been other things that's not i don't think that's the yeah. best example but they've literally put products out there before just to kind of die and walk away from sure them. like the moment that it like runs into some troubles or just like isn't hitting whatever behind the scenes metrics for them it seems like they really just go like we don't know you mm-hmm. let's <laughs> go back to our search engine game or put out another like google pixel <laughs> Let me see, actually. Sorry, I want to make sure I'm right about that. Google Glass. Can you still buy Google Glass? Was it... Google Glass was unveiled in 2013. It was targeted toward a general public audience, but was discontinued in 2015 after beta versions failed to gain traction due to its high price tag of $1,500, clunky design, and concerns about privacy. Google eventually shifted its focus towards business uses for the glasses, which I think that's something they're still kind of like continue with and move forward in, in kind of groundbreaking ways. But yeah, so that's, again, something that failed to gain traction, but different reasons, obviously. Like, that's a high price tag, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you really are speaking to fucking tech enthusiasts at that point, not your general consumer who's like, hmm, yeah, I'd pick up a console for 300 bucks. It's like, well, that's a lot to expect somebody to want to wanna pitch in for. Mm-hmm. So, but something like this, like, I, I'll concede to, to Dave's argument that it's it's a cheap uh, buy-in. Like, I think... 130 Yeah, overall, like, that's not bad. And it's like, you're not paying for hardware if you don't want to like you can pay for the um i forget what it's called the actual like google device the chromecast yeah the chromecast yeah i always forget like i'm I'm still unclear of what the setup is you can pay for that but if you don't like it still just runs out of a browser on your phone or on your computer or wherever just fine so pixel phone yeah um i do think though there's kind of it it sucks that it's it's such a staggered thing in terms of like support for like ios users and android users it's like okay, like I get that like, you're in a beta phase. I'm using quotes there. Um, and you're trying to just kind of at least dole it out to like Google core fans, but it's like you need to cast that net wider too. I mean, if they're in a beta phase, they surely did not communicate that to its adopters. Yeah, for sure. They're I think like, it's it's just something we all kind of just have as a whole have decided, yeah, this is a beta. And Google's yeah. like, no, no, this isn't a beta. This is our product. We put it out. We love it. No, it's a beta, dudes. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be talking about it in a year, sadly. Yeah, especially if they're not, especially if you have like your, um, you, your adopters and your user base saying that we want more communication from you. And I, I think that's kind of the ecosystem that we're part of now, yeah. right? Like we, we need to have open communication. I mean, any relationship needs some open communication, mm-hmm. right? And your relationship between your consumer and the actual developer or the, you know, product creator, mm-hmm. you need to keep that line open and be like, yeah, we hear you. And then understand, like what I hate is that they know 
know exactly what people are asking for going like hey we want a solidified roadmap what are you doing about that and it's like they're just going like we can't wait to share information with you how about you give us anything or be honest with us and say like hey we're still actually constructing our roadmap it's Mm. this is new technology and it's going to be an exciting year for us Mm. here's what's going to go on or at least give us like a rough idea of like march you're going to see a couple of these games you know or or even if you can't name them, give mm. us an expectation. Like, something closer well, than nothing. <laughs> I think it's bullshit for them to be like, oh, we have 120 games coming up, but we're going to leave it up to the publishers and developers to say that. Yo, that messaging should have been, like, a- another company, a company that's had more skin in the game, would have said, if we're going to go out of our way to say in January 120 games are coming out throughout 2020, mm-hmm. the- there has got to be a follow-up. Yeah. The follow-up is, Come see us at the end of February, or come watch this stream or this space, yeah. and we're going to announce some cool new games. Yeah. You've not given us a follow-up. It's just like, there will be. When? Uh, E3. We will see an activation uh, around these Google Stadia happenings, and we'll probably see like a third of those games. It's, it's going to be at a TGIF Fridays. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get the whole Google Stadia team... You can you can walk up with your glass. You'll find us. You'll find us. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a weird thing, and I I honestly I think we both know it. It's like it's going to be a very drawn out death mm-hmm. if they continue on this path. Basically, yeah. maybe it's too early to say, but like everything I'm hearing is like you didn't have a great launch. You're not communicating well, and you're just like everyone has to basically subsist off of the potential of this tech that they've already paid for rather than Mm -hmm. solidified promises. Nah, that ain't gonna work. That works for me with brands I trust. So the (laughs) promise of stuff with the Switch, when it came out at launch, people are like, oh, what's the big deal? It just has a new Zelda. Well, fuck yeah, new Zelda's awesome at launch. Like, that'll drive console sales. And it's the promise of knowing we would get more first-party exclusives and content from Nintendo because they know how to deliver on that front, regardless of what happened with the Wii U. I know it was a misstep, but they know how to fucking put games on a console. They know Mm -hmm. how to do it. Same with um, Sony and PlayStation. You know, they're missteps here and there. And, you know, I'm sure it's the same way for Microsoft and, and Xbox fans. Here it's like, I have no allegiance to Google. I use it every fucking day, obviously. But, like, I don't believe your promises. Because everything that I've seen you do at this point has been a fumbling. Like, I think initially I was like, yeah, no, they're Google. They're capable. And they should be able to put this thing out at launch and have it be a full thing. And now I'm saying, ooh, maybe they don't know how to do that. Listen, trust is hard to earn and easy to lose. Mm -hmm. And when you start off this journey with a lack of trust, Mm -hmm. you're going to be spinning your wheels throughout this, right? So, yeah, everyone's just kind of waiting for the shoe to drop for them to be like, Mm -hmm. "Uh, we tried our best. We think we, you know, we we put our hat in the race and it just didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, we told you I didn't work out. And you just really didn't address that. All you said was like, no, we're thinking of you. Yeah. No, I mean, at no, this stop point, talking to us. I think it would be fundamental for them to have working bonds with uh, developers or companies who know how this stuff works. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe look to Phil Spencer and Xbox and be like, hey, you guys are doing a fucking awesome thing with um, Xbox Game Pass and xCloud and all stuff. Like, what can we do to work together in conjunction to get something that you guys are working on on our platform and kind of boost us in a different way? Or, or figure out how it all works in a way that feels truthful and faithful to consumers you know mm-hmm. i feel like they 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 have like a lot of cool studios behind them but i feel like they need somebody who's in the game in that capacity to kind of guide them a little bit because they seem kind of aimless right now right yeah for sure that's that's what it is mm-hmm. daniel mm-hmm. i think we did a good job here today i think so we did a good job for the gamers and more importantly we honored ourselves mm-hmm. <laughs> for once you know and i think the most important takeaway mm-hmm. is that finally 
There will be justice for Han. Justice for Han justice 2020. For Han. Justice for Han, justice for Silent Hill, justice for Resident Your Evil. Your love was never gone. Justice for Han. Wow. Which highway are we on? Diff, 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 All right, let's out. We drank a lot of coffee today. We had a lot of coffee. We had a lot of coffee. As you guys know, you can find us on a lot of beautiful, beautiful streaming services all around the world. Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, all that great stuff. Wait, Google Play? Oh, my God. Oh, jeez. Stadia? All of our podcasts are muted. You can find us on the Twitch space. We didn't plug this earlier, but you can find Kevin at twitch.tv slash the red herb, and you can find me over at twitch.tv slash dungeons and daniels that's where we stream we do our thing there come find us come play with us and you can find us at twitter at save room show let's get that open forum going let's talk about the future of the save room and you know how how we lag sometimes yeah sometimes there's a little lag okay it's the potential though of the of the 2020 roadmap for save room all right what did you say you kind of broke up there a little bit what do you what yeah what what i love luigi Another fine mess, Daniel. <laughs> wow, I can't wait to clean this one up with this <laughs> the Poltergust 5000. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much, as always. Have yourself a very merry gamer, miss. Hmm. Oh, Stay blessed, gamers. Stay blessed, gamers. <laughs> we're bad at entries. Yeah, we're bad at those. We're bad at-